Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion, brought to you, as always, by Broken Jip Productions and Banana Bros. Follow them at Broken Jip Productions and at AZ Banana Bros on Instagram and all social media to find all the best content and your fun swag, much like this pe- pink unicorn shirt that I'm wearing right now. If you're listening to the podcast, you cannot see. There it is in all of its awesomeness, although my incoming dad bod is outgrowing my medium shirts. So this is quickly becoming a crop top. So <laughs> I'm going to need larges. That's what anybody wants to send me shirts. Larges. That's what you're going to get. Uh, my name is Miles Weber. I will be your host for the podcast. With me as always is my co-host on this podcast and in life, my wife, Heather Weber. Hello, dear. How are you? Good. Just trying to get a binky to stay. Yes. For those of you who are listening and not watching, no, she is not sampling a new lifestyle of just sucking on binkies. Our son is to her left right now, just being a leaky human. Uh, And yeah, that's been the last like three and a half weeks of our life. So we're going to see how this podcast goes. She's doing double duty of co-hosting and momming. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then we always have our uh, friend and comedian from Canada, Susan Thompson. Susan, how's it going? Hey, guys. Good, good, good. Let's get going. I'm so excited. About Susan's today. representing the Golden Girls t-shirt I see there in honor of Betty White having one of the most hilariously timed deaths of all time. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, kissing 100. They're like, is the People magazine out? I'm done. Later. Um, right. And with us today, uh, Miss Brokerage Productions and Banana Bros herself, Hillary Hudson. Hello, Hillary. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank Thanks you so much for, for coming on. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of like going to just be taking a lot of the backseat today because today we were talking about postpartum and uh, I do not have the proper parts to like grow and carry a tiny human. Um, and so postpartum isn't as much of a thing for me as much as it is something that I observe and try and aid to. So, I mean, I'll probably get into that stuff a little bit later, but um, I feel like we should probably... Uh, who wants to go first? Should we go with, uh, like, start with Susan? Because I feel like, Susan, you have the oldest human out of oh, I see all, how, everyone, right? Yeah, you tried to make that polite. Susan has the oldest. You human. do. I mean, that's a fact. <laughs> you, right? How I old do. is your kid? 19. 19 and 14. Yeah. 19 and 14. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. So, why don't you get into your experience with postpartum, I know, I know, it's rough. I mean, when you talk about postpartum, I mean, it's 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 always postpartum depression. Nobody's just like, oh yeah, my postpartum it was wonderful. It was just like butterflies and rainbows, and I was just skipping through fields. That's not what happens. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, those people I meet, I kind of want to snack them. The ones who are like, I got my body back in three weeks. I feel great. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't. It hasn't hit you yet. You're still in shock. Yeah, I don't know how those girls yeah. do that. It takes it's it's a huge shock to your system to have uh, children. Um, anyone that says it's natural, I mean, yeah, of course it's biological, but it's not the easiest. It's not easy to do. Any guy that's like, oh, it's easy, no, it's not. <laughs> Who says it's now, easy? What psychopath has the balls to say that anything to do with? child birthing or pregnancy or post or all of it it's all impossibly complicated it's uh i ended up um i i definitely had postpartum with my son i didn't realize what it was till I, i'm sitting out watching tv and a telus commercial comes on and like, this family gets reunited and i'm like this family is beautiful i started crying um i ended up with um i had full-on postpartum psychosis mm. so i had pre and postpartum uh which is a little bit interesting so i had to be monitored a little bit closer because i am bipolar so everybody's different that's just how my body dealt with it um it it wasn't the worst i mean my son was extremely colicky um i had some Mm. support so it's it's something i was able to get through definitely with support i needed help so Mm -hmm. i definitely I was part of a reproductive psychiatry outpatient program, which is at uh, Royal Columbian Hospital here. That's part of Women's Hospital out of Vancouver. So they were able to help me. That's where I got my help from. 
And then the rest of it was just supplementing, like making sure I had um, a spouse or somebody that was here after hours. Sure. Um, I had a mother that helped me, my dad, my brother, I think came over once or twice because he knew if I called him, like, I need help. He was the first one to be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll be right there. So I think the biggest thing is, was support for me. Um, I definitely got through it. My kids survived. They're 19 and 14. I didn't kill them. They can kill me now. So, and they try every day, every day. Well, you mentioned uh, your, your son was colicky. For those who don't oh. know what that is, if you want to give a brief explanation of what that means when you got a colicky baby. Uh, they're assholes. The baby's yes. an asshole. Because their asshole is having issues. That's kind of like by association. The gas has become a terrible issue. I I think all like every kid seems to kind of have something a little different. Like my daughter didn't have it at all. She slept a lot, whereas my son, no, wasn't he was colicky from the time he woke up, he cried and screamed from the time he got up until the time he would just exhaust himself and go to sleep. And I'd be standing at the front door, be like at six o'clock just waiting. And when my husband at the time, my ex, when he came to the door, I would just hand him off and be like, I'll see you later. I have to get out of here. But he was colicky to the point that I even, I don't even, everything dried up. I couldn't, I couldn't feed him. Yep. Uh, So I supplemented with the formula and anyone that tells you that you shouldn't be doing that. Fuck off. Every kid's different. Every parent needs to do what's best for them and what's best for their kid. And I stand by that a thousand percent. Facts. Yeah. We're, 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 when I'm there, whatever she needs, I would, in a heartbeat, I'd be there for mom. People forget about mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the thing that, uh, we talked, Heather and I talked about, uh, after the delivery, just the, the feeling. And, and, and I did end up having to circle back around to her because I did, I was conscious of what happened. It was like, I was with her the whole time, helping her do her whole thing, pushing for like three hours. And then finally, they yank aggressively just they yank that thing out and then they just dump it on you and it's shocking for the skin to skin and then they take them away and they start going and clean the baby but everybody kind of at the same time goes and follows the baby because you're like oh my god there it is and poor heather is just kind of there or insert mom here just sitting there on the table with the doctor getting stitched up like and it's like oh there you go that's where the exactly and so i was over with robin for a second but then i was like oh no i need to go check on heather so i made a point to come back around be like how you doing what's going on she's like i'm good i'm good i'm just getting stitched up right now and everything so but yeah you do kind of forget like that it is kind of like the moms are very consistently an afterthought like that's when the crushes i'm crushing on you at the moment because i'm just like oh he's such a good dad he actually went back and circled back on heather i'm like what's that like to have somebody care about you tell me about that it's um yeah i I think Hillary's probably got some unique stories because we're both like every woman's different. I know Heather's going to have different stories. Mm -hmm. So everyone's experience is going to be unique and your experience too. I mean, you are going to experience some postpartum because whatever Heather's experiencing, she could, I mean, we all kind of take on people's emotions and it gets passed on. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I try and check in on her a few times a day. If I can just be like, how are you? And then I'm like, Let's double tap that. How are you actually? Do you have anything you want to talk about? Yeah, no, let's talk about it. It's all good. Don't worry. You're killing the game. You're doing the best you can. So and that's the other thing I'm trying to constantly reaffirm her. It's just like, you're killing it. You're killing it. You're doing so good right now. You're doing better than me. Because I mean, like the colicky thing, when you said that about the baby, I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Because right, Robin's a good ki- good baby. Like, I mean, for the most part, he'll sleep. He just kind of mm-hmm. hangs out. He cries when he needs something. He cries when he gets gassy. But he, I wouldn't say that he's super colicky because we're constantly doing all the things. To, you're just, you don't understand how much of the first month of having a new human is just getting air out of them. There's yeah. so much of it that's just like pumping their legs so they'll fart and then like kind of press hitting their back so they'll burp. And then just it's a, such an uncomfortable thing to be a baby. There's times where he's just like, ah, like it's just they'll like twitch and they don't know what's going on. And, and so, yeah, being yes. a newborn, it's a it's a very weird thing. So having a colicky kid, I can't even imagine because like when he cries, when he needs something, I'm just like, I swear to God, stop well, it. it. <laughs> It was unique to the point that I had both my kids were cesarean. I didn't have natural childbirth. And they do tell you, um, Miles was an emergency. And then my daughter was as well. My pelvis wasn't wide enough. So, 
but they do tell you like when you have kids like if you don't go through that completed process and you have all of a sudden you have this surgery and your body doesn't know what happened it's like where did the baby go so your postpartum can actually be that's what can throw it off even more all kind of all over the place because your body hasn't completed a cycle it doesn't know what's happened and now you're trying to explain to your body that I'm trying to heal from it's a major surgery. It's a full mm -hmm. abdominal surgery. So you're mm -hmm. healing from abdominal surgery. Plus then your body's trying to recover and look after one heal and look after a human being. So, I mean, it's a hell of a lot for a body to go through and to go through it. I mean, <laughs> someone told me that women, um, I'm actually amazed that women live longer than men. Like when I was in labor, I was like, Oh, please let this be over. Just let it be it. Let this be it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised women live longer at all because like y'all go through childbirth. Have you ever been around a man who's got a cold? Absolutely not. Like we're going out first. Like the single, the, the first slight, slight sign of discomfort. We're like, I'm out. <laughs> so well, that explains the COVID numbers. It's all guys. Probably. All most men, likely. All men I got a cold. Most likely, most likely, and a handful of Karens just messing stuff up. I will ask you this, though, because this will be kind of a way that we could transition into getting a little info from Hillary and everything. So 19 and 14, we're talking early 2000s. What was yeah. your experience like, um, and especially being in Canada, too, like the medical industry, like the doctors and all that stuff? In the early 2000s, what was your experience being told about postpartum? Was there any, was there a brochure? Was there, were you talked yeah. about it? Like, what, what was it like the subject matter then? Because we know that things are constantly changing and evolving and now we do this as opposed to this. So what was it like for you at that time during that period? Um, well, I mean, we have public health care. You guys know that for sure. Mm. Um, you guys are private health care. But what people don't realize is public and private health care, not necessarily better or worse. And I've seen both sides of the system. I've experienced both sides of the system. I've been in out of both hospitals. Um, people seem to assume if you pay for it, it's going to be better. Or if it's public, it's going to suck. I walked into that hospital and I was able to have all the help that I need to stay overnight and be with those nurses and doctors. And it didn't cost me anything aside from the tax dollars that I already pay for. But in Canada, your basic healthcare is covered. Anything additional, which is like chiropractic. So like a secondary medicine or psychiatry, any of that stuff, that's not covered. A lot of that is not covered. There is some public health part of the healthcare system and try to get into that public system. It's pretty burdened. So a lot of it came down to um, my parents or friends and family trying to help me to find psychiatric help outside of the public health care system. That's ultimately what I needed. And there's still a stigma attached to it. It doesn't matter if you're in Canada or the U.S. You guys have experienced it. Heather, I know for sure, has experienced it. As soon as you say to somebody you're bipolar or you have some type of mental illness, you are treated differently. And at first in the hospital, they were a little bit apprehensive because I was bipolar. They were afraid it was going to spike or drop they weren't sure what's going to happen. Um, so they don't necessarily, I'm trying to find the, sorry, I'm trying to find the words. It was, I wasn't able to access as much help after, afterwards as people think, because we still don't talk about mental health here in Canada. So try and get into, um, through the post, the postpartum, they tried to get me into, so I was part of the Royal Columbian program, which is part of women's hospital. So what they tried to do is they tried to get me into uh, postpartum care through women's hospital in Vancouver so that I'd have a doctor that would help look after me and the postpartum healthcare system here, they can only monitor you for up to a year. Mm. So after a year, they're like, guess what? You need to find somebody else. So they actually had to keep me longer. So it took over a year for them to try and find me a psychiatrist so I can continue to deal with postpartum because my postpartum didn't go away very easily or very quickly. Um, so try and find a health professional that can do that. And it took a long time. It didn't, it took until I finally had to check myself into a hospital to find a doctor that could look after me full time. So mm. we don't necessarily have, we don't have preventative care here, just like you guys, we have all mm. of a sudden you're, you have to be sick, then you get help. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, we have like, we have Kaiser, which is like their specialty is preventative, but then anything oh. else, they're the worst. Like once you've got something, they're like, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't our area yeah. and everybody else. It's not as much preventative. It's more yeah. just like we can take care of you. So that's rough, as to, especially to take a year because postpartum would stick around for a few years. 
Well, yeah, it can take a few years. So, I mean, the psychiatrists that are covered under your medical here, those are doctors are for medication really only. So your psychiatry visit might be 10, 15 minutes of, okay, we found you a medication. Is it working? Well, it seems to be, how are you feeling? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Oh, okay. It seems to be okay. Write it off. And then that's it. Mm -hmm. So if you need to actually talk to somebody to try and get that treatment, it's either got to come out of your pocket, like through private healthcare, or you got to have some advocate MP prime minister LA in your back pocket to help. And even then it's just, it's not available. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the doctors, the psychiatry, the people that go through the programs here, guess where they all work? Bellingham. So they work about 15 minutes over the border for me because the system pays better. Mm-hmm. The jobs pay better. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's always a money game. I know. Um, yeah, that's rough. Uh, Hillary, how old are your boys? You're uh, there. How old? 10 and 8. 10 and 8. Yes. Okay. So we got 19 and 14, 10 and 8. A few years had gone by. So what was your experience like with postpartum? Um... Well, with Brady, with my youngest or my oldest, he, my doctor and I had like, so if they say, and who knows anymore, if anything's true that anybody says, but Mm. they say that if you have autoimmune diseases, you're more prevalent to suffer from postpartum depression. So because I have fibromyalgia at the time, I only had fibromyalgia and endometriosis. And so I had known that as particular people with fibromyalgia, um, had like history of having postpartum. So my doctor and I talked about it ahead of time and I started taking, um, Zoloft, like as soon the, as soon as he was born, they gave me Zoloft so that they would try to like get ahead of it, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and I didn't realize until now looking back that I still did have signs of like postpartum, but I didn't have like the depression type stuff Mm -hmm. as much. Um, But I did definitely like, I I was actually texting Heather the other day, um, the boy's dad and I drove up North and we used, we went right after Brady was born and you have to drive over these like bridges to get there. And when I would not let him drive on a bridge for like months, for some reason, I just was like, I would freak out and I would panic that like the bridge that we drove over hundreds of times was going to give away if we were in the car. And I would have like anxiety about it if we had to drive over the bridge. And then, um, I didn't let Brian hold the baby really for like the first month. Um, I, I was like, it's okay. I can do it. I can do it. And I just like wanted to do everything. And I really, and I couldn't explain it. And there was nobody to help. There was nobody that my I'm adopted. So my mom didn't give birth naturally, or she, she didn't really, you know, it was a lot of signs that maybe like were that I was having some type of postpartum issue, but no one really knew. Mm -hmm. Um, and then immediately afterwards I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So it kind of like flared up, um, some stuff with me like health wise. And then we tried so hard to get pregnant right afterwards and we couldn't. And then we finally gave up. And then as soon as we gave up, we found out we were pregnant. And with Brax, I was on, I, my whole pregnancy was terrible, but the whole, he tried to come at like 11 weeks. So I was on bed rest the whole time. It was like not enjoyable. And then he came six weeks early. So I didn't get on Zoloft. We forgot about, you know, there was no time to like have all of these talks with your doctor that you like have about what to do after the baby's born. So, um, I'm in the hospital and then he had lungs. So they like give you the baby to do the skin to skin. And he was making this like noise and I thought he was crying. And I just was like, Oh, his cry is kind of weird, but like, I don't know. I've only had one baby. I don't know what cries sound like. Mm -hmm. And they like rushed him away because what was really happening was his lungs were collapsing every time he took a breath. And so he was going, and he was like pushing his lungs out trying to breathe so they like rush him out and then the lady like pushes on my stomach because I had I mean I had epidurals but I had birth naturally and there was I'm sorry this is kind of graphic but there was like so much blood 
And then they started freaking out because I was like bleeding too much. So then they like kicked everybody out of the room. I'm in the room by myself. They take the baby to the NICU and they're like, his lungs are collapsing. That's like the last thing I hear as they like rush him out of the room. Um, and then they just like leave me in there and the baby's gone. Brian's with the, they're like, dad, you have to come with us. Cause someone has to like sign all the papers for him to be like intubated and whatever. And so, um, I'm just like by myself and they're like, we got to get the bleeding to stop. And I'm freaking out. And then we couldn't hold him for like his first seven days. Cause if you touched him more than like, you could put your hand on his back, but you couldn't like rub him mm-hmm. because his heart would start to stop. So we never really got like that skin to skin contact or anything. And I think it's like so important, not just for the baby, but it's important for like the mom too. It really like gives you like that bonding moment. And so he and I never really had that. Um, and some of that stuff can trigger postpartum. And so, um, and then like, I can't nurse. So I, we did, um, formula for both of the, for both of the boys and, um, and I was okay with it because I'm adopted. So I wasn't breastfed either. So it was like, well, I mean, they're going to be at least as fine as I am. Um, (laughs) and then, It was kind of hazy because he was in the hospital and they like, they send you home and you have to leave your baby in the hospital. Like he had to stay in the hospital and we lived like 30 minutes away. And so I, that was really like traumatic is the word, like Mm -hmm. having a baby and then leaving it at the hospital and not knowing if it's going to live or like what it was just very, it was like triggering. And I think like not having that skin to skin time, having the pregnant, like the become early, being on bed rest the whole time, like all of those things probably compounded my postpartum. Um, and I didn't realize that I was like having it until I was at men's warehouse and we were buying, a, um, we were buying suit jackets for the kid's dad and Brady and Braxton were both in the stroller and Brian was being fitted and I like looked at them in the stroller and I was like, I have to get out of here. And I just, I don't know what happened. It was like a flip, a switch flipped and I shut off and I was like, I have to leave. I have to get out of here. I have to like, I can't be here anymore. And I looked at my mom and I was like, I can't be here. So they took me to the car. They didn't give me the car keys, but they took me to the car and I sat in the car for a while and just like thought about was like talking myself out of running away. Cause I really just wanted to like run away. And so I called my doctor and I started getting on medication. I started seeing a counselor um, and obviously like address it. Everything was fine, but it was a, it was a struggle. And I, and even like Brax now, sometimes I wonder he and I aren't as connected as Brady and I are. And I wonder sometimes if it's like my imagination or if it's because we didn't have had like such a rough start. And I really did when he was like littler, even, you know, Brian did a lot more of it because it was like postpartum, but in the opposite ways where I was like push pushing him away a little bit more. So, um, I mean, I obviously like, I love them so much and I, my love for them isn't different, but just our relationship is different. And it could just be because your relationship is different with other people, but I still like, I have a hard time not beating myself up for have being that way when he was a baby, because I like, it wasn't intentional. I would never like push him away intentionally, but I definitely did. Mm. Uh, and I, I think Every, I think it's hard too, because I think everyone's postpartum is different. Mm-hmm. What do you watch for? Well, nobody prepares you for anything. They tell you about having a baby, but they don't talk about mom's health really. And that kind of stuff. They'll talk about what you have to do after like, yeah, you're going to bleed for a while after what kind of stuff your body's going to take a while to shed lining. It's going to take a while to get back to the shape, but nobody talks about what you're going to do postpartum. Like I didn't get any skin to skin time with my son at all. Yeah. Well, and for both of them, for me too, both of the boys were really sick. Um, Brady, not as much, but, um, 
like Brady didn't have colic. They thought he did. They kept trying to say he was colicky and he would cry just like a colicky baby. But what we found out was they he's allergic to dairy and the powdered formula is cut with milk. And so I find I would call his doctor, who's a good friend, thankfully. And I was like, okay, I know this sounds crazy, but he cries more when he has powdered formula than he does liquid for like, cause you can buy pre-made liquid mm-hmm. formula, which is like gold. It's so expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, he doesn't cry <clears throat> scream when he has the liquid and it's because it doesn't have dairy in it, but I didn't know. And we were, mm. we tested him for allergies and he wouldn't test positive. So he just like the, it was like colic, but not fucking sorry. It's on my computer. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it's like, I lost my train of thought. Uh, so the he's the, the dairy, the, the he was allergic. Yeah, so he's just so sick, and you can't figure out what's wrong with him. But the doctor's like, it's not. It's definitely not colic, and it's like, okay, then what? What mm-hmm. is it? And then with yeah. Rax, he ended up with a staph infection on his butt, and he had like his skin oh, would like just roll roll off. It was so sad. I would cry, and so he couldn't wear a diaper. So then he's like, go in the bathroom all over everything for like the first two weeks. Cause he couldn't wear a diaper. Um, Cause they were trying to like air out the infection. Cause you can't like keep it moist. It's whatever, which is in a, like it's on your butt. So, and then he had to have a physical therapist um, and an occupational therapist. He had torticollis and it was like one thing after another, after another. And that on top of, I was having really bad postpartum. It was just like, Man, and then he had RSV twice. It was like, and then Brady got sick and had pneumonia during that time. And then he had meningitis during that time. And so they were both really sick at the same time. And I was struggling with really, really bad postpartum. And I don't know, I made it through because um, Jack raised Jack took Braxton when Brax was like a month old and Brady was in the hospital. Jack took care of Brax for like a, a month. Um, Brian, my husband at the time was working nights and wasn't available. And so Jack helped us out. And my niece lived with us at the time and she helped and everybody just kind of was like, okay, Hillary's losing her mind. So we're just going to like help and and then after Brax was born is when my health got really, really bad. I burst my eardrum when he was being born. And then I was diagnosed with like bilateral Meniere's disease and like all everything just like started spiraling. And I was really sick. I think the postpartum affected me for probably like three, two or three years um, on top of like everything else. I mean, all of this stuff that you're rattling off is like a lifetime movie. Like, I mean, I'm shocked that you're like two or three years. I'm like, how do you not still have it? Like, I mean, just Jesus, all the things. Cause I mean, like birth in general, like the process is like you said, like it is kind of a traumatic thing. Like your body goes through a lot. The fact that you had excessive blood loss, super dangerous, super high risk, not what you want to hear. Doctors are trying to do what they want. And there's like, oh, we got to get him out of here. His, they're saying the worst things passively. So you're not informed. You're kind of strapped to the table there. All the while, like you said, they're, they're still tr- kind of trying to move you through the hospital as quickly as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. So like it was only like two days between Heather getting checked in and we were out with Robin. Like, I mean, they're like, okay, get the hell out. Go, 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 go. Like they cannot wait for you to get out of that hospital. So, and especially cause you had said that you had to leave him there and you live 30 minutes away. S- same for us. We lived about a half hour away from the hospital and they told us like after the first day, cause Heather was doing good and they were like, oh, you can go home and you can leave him here and come pick him up in the morning if you want. We were like, no, absolutely not. not we're not leaving our kid in a hospital. Like, Absolutely not. And then, so yeah, that the fact that you went through all those things, um, wild. I have moments. There's two moments I remember with Brax in particular, where I put him in the middle of the bed and I put pillows all around him and I had to walk away. And I just like walked outside of the room and just like stood there and cried and he was safe. I knew he wasn't going to get hurt, but I just was like, I, I can't, I just have to like 
get away. And I just think like the problem is, is that moms don't know that it's okay Mm -hmm. to, to be that way. They think there's something wrong with them. And you go through this, like, I'm a terrible mom. Why don't I love my baby? Why don't I want to hold my baby? Why am I like, what is wrong with me? And then you're beating yourself up and then you like force yourself to try to find a connection and it's not real. And then you like beat yourself up even worse about that. And then sometimes you have problems with your husband too, because you're like a mess and it it, is so hard to have baby. It's also so rewarding and beautiful, but like, it was so much work is so much work. The mm-hmm. best way I've heard it described was uh, the singer, Andy Grammer. He was on a podcast and he just had a kid and he's described it as uh, it's a lot of ones and tens, like throughout the course of the day, like a lot of super high highs of like, oh my God, he's so beautiful. Like, look at him just looking around. Just so can you believe we made this? This is a miracle that I'm holding. And then the ones, which is like, if you don't shut the fuck up, I swear to God, I swear to God. We just need you to sleep. Just eat. Just eat. All you got to do is eat. It's right there, homie. Stop biting it. Just eat. Just like it really is like there are those beautiful things and those beautiful moments. But there is those there are those moments (laughs) where what what do you want? What do you want? want. You're not hungry. You're not wet. You're not cold. You're not hot. I don't know what you want. And you you do have to walk away. Just walk away. I I did it a few times. I put them in the, the um crib i'd close the door and literally just i'd be in the hallway just crying like hillary and i'm like and it i'm listening to hillary i'm like i'm sorry that happened but at the same time like i'm so happy i'm not the only one like to find other mothers that have gone through that yeah yeah. there's a lot of judgment of what you should be capable of as a mother and not everyone deals with it the same Mm-hmm. We all just I, need to stop putting our stuff on everybody else, man. Like, cause that's the, you know, like the, just the subject of like formula feeding versus breastfeeding, which we touched on okay. earlier. I mean, that was something that we started getting some shit from because I mean, uh, and Heather could speak to this and we can get into your experience, dear. Um, we're, we're in some Facebook groups for like new parents and stuff like that online. And you know, she had put out there that she was having some hard time producing milk and he wasn't just wasn't latching because like there's a he had like a tongue tie. So he was just unable to latch and everything. And so she was going to talk about formula feeding him. And she got so much shit online from tons of moms and parents who were just like, you only tried for a couple days. Like, what's wrong with you? Like just being super mean. And it's like, dude, you don't understand what somebody's going through. Like you, your experience is going to be completely different. I mean, just like on this conversation we're having right now susan hillary heather like all of your experiences were so so different and i feel like that's just uniform like everybody's birthing experience everybody's baby experience is going to be very very different um Mm -hmm. but you do have sometimes like susan said sometimes you got to put them down and just kind of okay i had to do that one time i had to put them down the crib and just kind of walk away but i'm gonna take a lap real quick i'm gonna take a lap real quick we're gonna be okay uh, I think it was Pete Holmes had a joke on his special recently where he's just like, they keep telling you, don't shake a baby. Like that's something that they constantly say. And you're like, okay, I get it. And he's like, the reason they tell you that is because you're going to want to shake that baby. There's going to be some times where you're like, what is- I'm trying to think what somebody, uh, I think it was my mom that said to me, she was like, if you believe in God, that's why he made them cute. That's the only reason they're living. Yeah. That's so you don't kill them. In, in Arizona, they make you watch a shaken baby video as, every time you have to watch this ba- video of a shaken baby and like the, they put the egg in the container and shake it up and show like what happens to the egg if you shake it up and that's like their brain. And then they make you sign a piece of paper saying that, yes, you watch the video, you will not shake your baby. And then you have to list two people that you will call in the event that you want feel like shaking your baby and then they can prosecute you if you do shake your baby because you signed the paper and you did all the things yeah they had us sign the paper yeah we didn't have to write two people but we had to sign we had to hi we had to watch a video and sign the paper oh yeah i had to give names and phone numbers for the two people that were on my list i would call it's like I mean, which is, I guess it's good because you really do want to shake your, I mean, it's, it's like a gut instinct sometime, like just stop. Stop. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a monstrous thing. If you don't have a kid, you're like, how could you even think that? It's like, you don't understand. <laughs> the one thing, one thing they did do in the hospital that I took issue with and probably Heather's, 
just quickly going through this is because we're public health care, they'll encourage you to breastfeed first. And if you're like, no, I can't do this. They're like, oh, it's not an option. We don't have formula for you. We can't help you. They, they will make you sign paperwork. A nurse will come in and the Lalesh League will come in and they'll sit with you. And it felt like a shaming. Mm. And then you have to sign off that. Yes, I want formula and I'm a bad mother. So it starts quickly, but it starts very quickly the way that even the system can start to badger and hit at mothers as to what you should and shouldn't be doing. And it's so individual. I'm going, well, if everybody's, and I said it in the hospital, I got hate. And I'm like, if every patient is different, why are you pushing on me the same thing you're pushing on so-and-so next door? Mm -hmm. Like you don't know the story. Aside from being in this hospital today, you don't know me. Yeah. 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 I think they had formula on hand at the hospital for us. If we I think they did too, but they, we, we had to call in the lactation consultant like multiple times to help us. And we had to call in a nurse. One of the times we had to wait an hour and a half for a nurse to come in and help us to get him to like try and latch. Yeah. And it was just like, this is so much. And he was going, he went like almost the whole day without eating. And I was just like, this can't be a thing. And it took him a while to like, he's over birth weight now, but it took him a while to put it back on just because yeah. like, it was the pressure of like, well, no, you have to breastfeed. You have to breastfeed. Cause I probably would have started him on formula a little bit earlier if there wasn't that much pressure. Well, and even like the second or third time we brought in the lactation consultant, she was even like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, he's just, he's just not latching. I don't know. I don't know what to tell it. Like she was at a loss and it's like, mm-hmm. dude, you, you're around tits all day. Like, this is your, this is your area. Like, and she's yeah. like, I got nothing, my bad. And then just left. So yeah. Well, Heather, why don't you tell your experience? There was very different. But I mean, my experience is like, I'm kind of in this weird place where I don't know if I have it or not. I've definitely had baby blues and I've definitely been more depressed, but I don't know what it is. Um, And I think part of that is uh, I have called the psychiatrist I'm supposed to see once a week since I was 30 weeks pregnant and have not gotten a phone call back. So I still haven't seen a psychiatrist. And then when I left the hospital, there was nothing about postpartum or anything. It was just like, see your doctor in six weeks, make sure you schedule it. And that's it. Nobody like the only time they ever asked how I was doing is how my pain was. It was never like a mental thing. It was never like asking about depression. Like even in the manual that they sent us home with, um, there was like, there's hardly anything in there about postpartum or anything. So I don't know what I have. If it's just baby blues or postpartum, being completely honest. Well, let people know the difference between the two, because some people might not know what the difference between postpartum and baby blues is. I mean, for me, baby blues, like it was more for me, I really missed being pregnant. Like I just missed that bond when he came out. Um, Granted, I had a really great pregnancy. So (laughs) that's also like part of it. I was very, very lucky. I had a great pregnancy. Um, But you just, you miss that bond. And there's something about like holding him right now, but there's something about this that isn't the same as like him being in there and feeling the kicks and the hiccups and like just that bond that you get. So that's where, I mean, for me, I mean, new to it, but that's where like most of my, where I felt like my baby blues were. But then like Susan, you were talking about, you cried during a commercial. We watched the new Matrix and I, I cried during the Matrix. There is no scene to cry in in the Matrix. There's not, there's not. There's, Just so there's you know, spoiler alert. Were you upset that Keanu's jacket was too long or? Right. Yeah, that's that sounds. Her like, oh no, he can't fly in this one. Uh." Oh god, (laughs) that definitely sounds like you're. You've got aspects of baby blues. I mean, if you think about it, you went from being pregnant to not pregnant, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden your body's not okay. I'm not pregnant anymore. Now I got other duties. Yeah, I got to set up for. Well, that's just part of the thing. There's so many things that people don't understand. I say people, men. There's so many things that guys don't understand about like a lot of women don't understand either. If they've never been pregnant, they don't they don't understand. But it's just like you grew a human, man. Like you grew a human inside of you. You will never know closeness like for a while. You were two people. That's what that was like. I mean, you'll never uh, as a man, I'll never understand that type of bond, that type of feeling. So to go from like growing a human, feeling him inside of you for nine months, kicking around, moving around the hiccups, even she's like, he's got the hiccups. And I'm like, how do you even know that? Is it because he's like, feel like and you can tell. And so going from that to like now he's out and that's that's an interesting thing. 
Yeah, I feel I feel guilty even listening to some of that because to just say out loud, and my kids are aware of this now, I did not enjoy any aspect of being pregnant whatsoever. I found it probably one of the hardest things I'd ever did. So to find out I was pregnant with my daughter, I was like, what? I mean, I'd never change what the outcome has been, but it is to have children just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're supposed to have them. It's, it's not an easy job to do on your own. That's why you have a partner. That's why you work together. Yeah. So Heather, you definitely got a little bit of baby blues going on there. Yeah. And it's just, I've just been like more sad and sometimes I'm holding them and I'm like, it's not that I'm not feeling anything. I just like, I think I should be feeling more, especially because like with my health history, I didn't even know like if I could get pregnant. So he's like a miracle baby just in that sense. And so there's times that I'm like beating myself up. I'm like, I feel like I should be more excited than I am. And I'm not. And then you just beat yourself up and it's like an endless cycle. So everybody's different. You are, you guys are rock stars. I'm like, I'm looking at pictures. I'm like, you're working in the hospital in labor. What? (laughs) Yeah. She was working on her laptop in between contractions. Like I set up the pillow. So that way it was raised and she's just like, I got to get this shit done. And (laughs) even the nurses were like, are you working? She's like, dude, you don't understand. (laughs) This is America. There's levels to the game. These bills got to get paid. And now we're three. Absolutely. I'm working. I do want to say though, like, cause I mean, Heather did have a really dynamite pregnancy. Like she, uh, in her early twenties had ovarian cancer twice. I hope you don't mind me disclosing that. Uh, I should have asked you first. I'm sorry. Um, so, so the fact that she was able to get pregnant in the first place, um, you know, miracle. with the type of ease that she was miracle, absolute miracle. And we could attribute, I'm sure as much as people want to, to the luck of just having a great pregnancy, having a healthy baby. Cause we've heard, Hey, that could totally not happen. Like the opposite can happen. You know I mean? It could be very stressful, but I will say that Heather's done a lot of work. She did a lot of work and, you know, just years of working on herself, years of working on healing intergenerational trauma. So not just her own, but just this has been generation after generation of like bullshit and bullshit that nobody's dealing with. And the fact that she's going to cry again on this podcast. Of course you are. Yes. (laughs) You're postpartum. Yeah. You're going to cry. You cried during the matrix. You really think that you're going to hold tears in while I'm harping on you? Absolutely not. Um, so, so yeah, man, the fact that she was able to heal uh, so much of her own trauma and is still in a constant state of trying to work on that, um, and heal the intergenerational trauma from her family. I attribute the pregnancy going as well as it did to that. I attribute him being as healthy and fine as he is to Heather put in work. She made it happen. Like well, I mean, she, I wouldn't she say it. that because I know plenty of people that put in work and it's not the same. Just... No, he has a lot to say about it. He has a lot to say The celebrity joining us. Right? No, just take the binky. There you go. But I mean, I appreciate that. But yeah, I think it's just everyone's, you know, a little bit different. Um, But I know people that have had a, you know, quote unquote, perfect pregnancy. And then, you know, things didn't, you know, go the way that they wanted to at the end. So I think it's just, you know, everyone's situation is different. But I think what it really comes down to is the healthcare system needs to be better. <laughs> like there needs to be more awareness about things because then that could be part of it too. That the way my pregnancy was, my labor was dope, honestly, <laughs> like, it was fine. So maybe that's why they didn't say anything about it. But then talking to you guys, it's like, no, they didn't say anything really to me either about it. So it's like, it doesn't matter what the picture looks like. The healthcare system needs to be better. Um, and there needs to be more conversations about it. And I think like for you, because we talk, we make, make jokes about this all the time. They, they make it too easy to have a kid and leave the hospital with a kid. Uh, you just have to be able to put them in the car seat correctly and you're out the door. So, cause that, they don't help us. There's an alarmingly small amount of paperwork and things that you have to go through. It took more to buy a car than to like have a kid like it's super in and out yeah but i think there needs to be like a sit down with both parents not just the mom but with the dad too 
But like there should be a sit down with a counselor before you leave with the baby. Hey, how are you feeling? What are your concerns? What are you feeling right now? Especially within a matter of 48 hours. Cause I was already feeling sad in the hospital because Miles was checking on me on the hospital. I'm like, mm, feeling kind of weird, but I think it'll just pass. Um, so yeah, I think there needs to be something put into place that there's a counselor that you can talk to before you leave and not just a, Hey, fill this out so you can get your social security card for them. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Every time I like see a news thing about a parent that like killed their child or something, I'm like, Man, did anyone help her? Because maybe, because even what, sometimes when the kids are five, six, seven, it could be postpartum and compounded by life and like all the things. And like, look back at the, I say this all the time, like looking back at the Britney Spears stuff when she like lost it, you know, at the time everybody's like, oh man, what's going on with her? Like, of course I'm not a doctor, but now after having my own babies and going through postpartum, I'm like, man, I probably would have saved my head too. And I would have stormed a house too, if they had taken my baby from me and like all the things that she went through. And they, those kids were so little, she had, it had to have been postpartum or some part of it. Like, and I just think, and then the women get like ridiculed. There needs to be like so much help for women or a class or anything, because it's like, you just don't know. And then people just assume you like are crazy or you suck as a mom. Yeah. Well, they put so much pressure on you. Oh, well, you just had a baby. It's this beautiful thing. And you're supposed to be 100% bonded to it because you gave birth to it and all of this stuff. And then a good chunk of the time you're getting shit from people that aren't parents. And it's just like, but you're not in this position. So you don't know what it's like. I had a nurse tell me I was selfish. I'm laying in the hospital. I was like, you don't, I'm like, no, you know what? I'm not. And I literally swore at them. I was like, fuck you get some formula in here. I am not going through this again. She's like, well, you're just being selfish. You have, you don't care about this child. You know, maybe we should have social services in here. And I'm oh, just like, dear God. Oh you my God. Uh, <laughs> I would have ripped her head all the way off with my mouth and threw yeah. it down the hallway. Are you high? I don't care about this baby because I want him to eat. I can he doesn't like the tit and I can't do yeah. this. It's very, di- give me your tit. How about we and do her that? Was, her answer was, what would your husband think about this? I'm like, he ain't fucking here and he ain't dealing with it. And 90% of the time during the day, I said, I just had this baby. I'm the one that's going to be looking after it during the day. This is, I can call my husband in, but he's going to say whatever's going to be best for both of them. So mm-hmm. fuck you. Don't you yeah. dare tell me I'm selfish. I'm doing what's best for me and this baby. Yeah. Well, and that's how it should be. Cause when Miles and I sat down just about like formula feeding and stuff, it was just like, is he fed? Is he taken care of? Is he happy? Great. Then yeah, let's do it. Exactly. And that's it how it should be for you guys. It's so weird because- that they do that. They try, I tried to get a hysterectomy after Braxton was born. My doctor like, well, what is your husband? Thing. Oh yeah. I love and, that. And like, and, and then he refused to do it. He was like, mm-hmm. well, I think that you're going to change your mind and you're going to have another baby. Yep. And I'm like mm-hmm. I've had two and Braxton was a preemie and I, and like, it, I'm not doing this again. And so Brian ended up getting a vasectomy because we couldn't find a doctor that would give me a, that would help me and give me a hysterectomy. Yeah, that's yeah, real. My, my friend had that. She wanted, because both of her babies were cesarean and she wanted to get her tubes done tubes tied after during the second one and they wouldn't do it because she was under 30 and she only had two babies yeah they told me i had to at first after i had my son they wouldn't authorize anything they said no i had to go for a psych evaluation and they said well we think she might change her mind there's something going on i'm like what so the second time finally i was like when i went i says no i had to go in for a psych evaluation i had to sign paperwork in the doctor's office I had to sign paperwork in the hospital. Then when I went through the cesarean, once they were born, then they went and came and talked to me again. They're like, the last question, what does your husband feel about this? I'm like, this ain't his. This is mine. I think if they're not going to do those surgeries, then I want checks every year of how you're going to be able to help me support any kids that happen after this point Mm -hmm. by accident. (laughs) So I I tell people I'm fixed. What is it? Spade, neutered? Which one is it for the cats? I'm like, is it, am I neutered? Spade? Spade. 
Yeah, I'm spaced. I'm yeah. <laughs> I haven't had enough sleep to keep my cool in this conversation. So, I mean, I just, I oh, can't, I can't oh. even, if, if, if Heather wanted, if we had another kid, which, you know, we want to have a second child, we think two is going to be good for us. And then we're probably going, but if she wanted to do that to her body after a second kid, you know, it's not my body. It's not my body. I know that she would have a conversation with me about it and we would talk about it. And I'd be like, hey, man, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Like, it's your body. You can do what you want. But if a doctor was like, oh, well, you're we're not going to do surgery because you're probably going to change your mind later. I'd be like, OK, well, then how is your relationship with your wife? Do you get to spend much time with her? Or are you on call a lot? You don't want to be a doctor for much longer. How about after this year, we just fire you? Oh, do you not like it when people make decisions for you? How about you fuck all the way off and go play in traffic? Jesus Christ, what the fuck is wrong with you? Did you get did you eat paint chips when you were a kid? How are you even saying this right now? How are you a doctor? And you could be like, no, you're probably going to change. Probably, probably. Are you high? The next time Can I you tell he hasn't slept in a while? It's been a minute. Well, that's what they told me. They were like, well, Bri my doctor was like, well, Brian can just do it because it can be reversed. If you do this to you, it can never be reversed. And then he told my mom, because my mom went with me. He's like, well, you know, she's probably going to get married again. And I was like, oh. I mean, not wrong, but also so rude. <laughs> None of their business. Yeah. None of their business. Can we get Doogie Hauser in here? I will take a child MD over this dumb motherfucker coming in here trying to be like, how about that? Are you just writing the story of people's lives? Like you're a doctor. Well, and I was 32 also. So it's not like I wasn't under, I wasn't like under a certain age where I'm really young. I was 32 and I had two kids and a stepdaughter. So it's like, man, three's a lot. <laughs> Mm -hmm. There's plenty. Yeah, two is plenty. One, if you want, One. however many you want to have, that's yeah. enough. It's always enough. If you want to have one, that's it. If you don't want to have any, that's more than enough. Like whatever you want to do with your time on this planet, since it's yours, you can totally do. Oh, dear God. I know I'm going to need to smile. Take a nap. Start, you need to start a service. Like, I just want to be able to, I want like a special 1-800 number that I can call up when I'm in a hospital. I'll be like, somebody just said something stupid. It'll be like, it'll be call miles. It'll be like, you know, like, uh, what is that TV show? And then oh. I just hear you going on a rant. Be like, oh, oh dear God. If, 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 P if there was a hotline and I could get paid, I would probably do it for free. If people would just call <laughs> me and be like, Hey, I got a certified moron right here. You want to go ahead and light them up like the 4th of July with your mouth? I'd be like, let's go. Let's go. Like nothing gives me more pleasure in this lifetime than unloading on an idiot for saying something irrevocably stupid. I will dismantle you piece by piece until I'm done. Like I, you're going to have to get security to call me to escort me out of the hospital. And even then I'm going to talk shit about your bitch ass security. Oh, you could only work at the hospital, huh? <laughs> oh, okay. You don't want to work at like the actual prisons where actually like people worth a damn can fight you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kick the comedian out of the hospital. So yeah, man, like just, yeah. Call me anybody time says some stupid shit, especially if I haven't napped. Then <laughs> He's tired and he's got lots of words. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just, it's so infuriating to me. Just like the assumptions that are put on women's bodies, uh, the conversations that are had without uh, considering y'all in the slightest drives me insane. Just the whole framework around the uh, roles amongst men and women to do with this whole thing. Because we even had the book. Um, we had what to expect when you're expecting. And then we had a first time dad's book that I got. Um, so, I, and I was so mad reading that first time's dad, but it infuriated me because I was like, I swear to God, if this whole book is just the cliff notes of what to expect with you're expecting paired with, yeah, just, you know, help out, like do the dishes, rubber back, you know, don't be a piece of shit. That's literally all the book was. The entire book was the cliff notes of what to expect when you're expecting, followed by, and don't be a piece of shit. Just help out. Be useful. You know, talk to her. Like, that's literally all it was. Be prepared. That's how the day was. <laughs> what? I'm like, is this really it? We need a book for this? <laughs> no. So yeah, How man. Was my day, I had a leaky human stuck to my chest all day that wouldn't shut up twenty four seven. I haven't showered in a week. How do you think my day was? Yeah, <laughs> I am covered in fluids. <laughs> I have yeah. baby fluids all yeah. over me. My favorite pregnancy book was um, Jenny McCarthy's 
baby bumps or whatever the first one is. And she's like so graphic. She talks about like hemorrhoids and she talks about pooping yourself and like all the things. I remember being like, yeah, this is the this is what I needed. Not what to expect when you're expecting. I needed real graphic down and dirty. What is going to happen to my body? Because that's a thing. You don't even know what's happening to your body. I remember after Brady born, I could not take a shit for days, days and days and days. And it it hurt so bad and you're so uncomfortable. And I just remember crying to my mom being like, is there some kind of surgery I can have? Or like, nobody tells you about that. Nobody yeah. tells you, you like can't even sit on the toilet for a couple of days and you have to like put these ice popsicle pads on your vagina. And also the daddy stitch is bullshit. By the way, I mean that's like that's so rude. That's, that sounds horrifying. I didn't have any of that because cesarean, but that sounds awful. Well, yeah, because if you yeah. if you give the the do the the vaginal birth and everything, like uh, if if a woman is a couple weeks out from having given birth, you need to watch your tone with her because she's wearing a fucking diaper. Okay, like check your tone seriously. All right, that's a that's a grown adult in a diaper who just had a human yanked out of her 14 days ago. How about you take a walk? Okay, like seriously, the th- these are things that nobody talks about, and it's like nope. this is uniform. People should know these things. We would all be more empathetic and understanding of each other if we just knew these things, but we don't. I don't. I still don't understand why we don't talk about this kind of stuff. I I, I don't get it. Why people are like, oh, you're being gross, you're being dirty. I'm like, yeah, but we do it on the comedy shows all the time. We're talking about farks and shit. And Life like, is gross and dirty. When you're a kid, that stuff's funny. And it's like, as an adult, we're like, oh, you shouldn't talk with anymore. That's the kind of, it needs to get talked about. Yeah. It well, definitely needs to be talked about. Like, poor it just three, three, four days without shitting, that'll make anybody mad. Yeah. Three or well, four hours just- without shitting for me, I'm getting ready to kill somebody. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> well, and it's just, everybody just wants it to be, oh, well, the miracle of childbirth, it's a beautiful thing. And they just want yeah. it all to be hidden under that umbrella. Like you said, we're not talking about shitting or hemorrhoids or sneezing no. and you pee yourself. Those aren't things that you talk about. Or like the spot in your back where you get your epidural hurts for like years. It aches. For Mm -hmm. years, mine hurt where I would like push on it and it and you could feel I still have like a scar where it was like they don't talk about any of that stuff Mm -hmm. with Braxton. I took stool softener for like two days before he was born because in like anticipation. But like, where's the note? It's a sticky note. Like, hey, maybe take some stool softener right before. I don't know. I had to fight in the hospital to get it prescribed to me. What? And I was just like, are you aware of what my vagina just went through? And you're and I have to this isn't a narcotic. I'm not trying to get Vicodin or something from you. I just want a stool softer. And it's she's like, like, oh, well, I have to call your doctor and we have to put it in. So we'll get it to you tonight. Yeah. And I feel like they were only like willing to do that for her because the nurse had seen my dry bar special. So she knew who I was. And I'm like, yeah, could you help my wife poop? That'd be wonderful if you could do that. Maybe you guys can mention this. Like you were both in the hospital. Miles, you were in the hospital as well. There's almost like a passive aggressive of we know what we're doing here. You have no frame of reference. Yeah, that's right. I have no frame of reference. I have no idea what's going on here. You guys seem to have the answers, but you're not giving us answers or you don't want to talk about it. I had to fight because I got my placenta encapsulated oh, yeah. um, afterwards, which I highly suggest. Yes. Um, okay, we're just coming up here. Hi, everybody. Say hi. Yeah. Um, but so they so when I pay, I had to pay for it because insurance doesn't cover it and they send you a kit. And so we brought the kit with us to the hospital and I like told them, I was like, hey, you have to open that box, the cooler, the kit, everything you put the placenta in is in there. And they're like, OK, OK, OK. They didn't put my placenta in there. This is going to get graphic. They didn't put my placenta in there. They put it in their own container, which wouldn't fit in the cooler that I had to send my placenta in. So when we got home, we had to let my placenta thaw and we had to change it into the container that it was supposed to be in. So, yeah, they just didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's quite that's a cooking story that I'm not familiar with. (laughs) Like, were they able to 
do everything that needed yeah, to they, like- they did everything yeah they they could still do everything but i had to text because uh that was the cool thing with the company that i went through is you text them when you're in labor so they know when to ex- ex- expect your placenta and so i text her and i was like hey here's the situation what do i do and she's like just let it thaw and then switch it out to a different container but it was even just stuff like that that i'm like I gave you what I needed this to be in and you still couldn't just follow the simple directions. No, it's because they're right. My dad worked in hospital for years as a pharmaceutical uh, specialist and same story every time. I was like, I know what I'm talking about. He's like, well, you don't because that's why I'm here. This is what I specialize in, which was a small aspect. And I remember a few times in the hospital, they would something with the IV and something would be wrong. My dad would come in. And the nurses be like, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Can't tell us what to do. And my dad's like, well, I'm the one that designed and created these pumps. So I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing. Let me help you help her. Yeah. There's yeah. an, there's an ego. It's almost like a, there's quite an ego in hospitals. Yeah. Cause I mean, they do feel like they know what they're doing. I mean, the, the nurse, for the most part, we had a good experience with our nurses and our doctor. Like she said, our, she had a super laid back. There might as well have been a water cooler during her delivery. Like we're the, the <laughs> delivery doctor literally said, so what do you guys do for a living? Like between pushes. Cause, cause we were just like sitting around just chatting and she's just kind of coming and going like she might as well have had a dry martini just like how's it going all right, all right. i'll be back in five like <laughs> she was it was so casual like and was, all right let's push again all right anyway so what are your hobbies like it was super wild uh it was very chatty in ours but we did have a couple we had one nurse that we did not care for but she kind of got <laughs> karma got her because the week before we went in for a false false alarm and uh the nurse had to like put an IV in Heather and she blew out two veins in both of her hands trying to get an IV going uh, and then like had to call somebody else in to put an IV in her arm because she kept messing it up um, and she was just kind of very rude and just had bad energy and we were like I don't care for her and then the delivery day she came in and uh, checked Heather's water because it had partially broken but she went and checked to see if the rest had broken it hadn't and so she's like oh it broke all over my arm and we were like (laughs) (laughs) oh did it that's unfortunate how sad for you (laughs) and we were like good job robin good job (laughs) um so but um I do want to say, have you say something dear about your experience with placenta encapsulation, because I mean, as far as like mental health goes, you have voiced that you did notice a difference from when you started taking your placenta capsules, once you got them, which was a quick turnaround time within a couple of days of us sending it, those, those things were back. It was super fast. You, they, they pay for, I mean, you pay for it technically, but it's uh, overnighted. So you overnight the placenta to them. They, uh, they tag you in the video of what they do uh, on Instagram. So you get to watch how they cook it, dehydrate it, blend it up. Mm -hmm. Yummy. Um, And then put it into capsules. Um, So you get to see what they do with it. And then they overnight it right back to you. So we got home Sunday. I had my placenta. Uh, we sent it Monday. I had it Wednesday. So it you was, guys, can you guys do cord? Can you do cord blood too? Like bank? Yeah. yeah, you can do cord blood too. It's just extra, oh. but yeah, you can do cord blood. Um, but I mean, and I think that's kind of why I'm like in between where it's like, I don't know if I have full postpartum or just like intense baby blues. And I think it's because the placenta is helping um, because the first few days I was very depressed and the placenta definitely helped. I know. Um, the placenta definitely helps, uh, but I mean, it also helps with like your energy levels because I was just dead tired. Like I was falling asleep, feeding him. Um, so it helps with the energy levels, helps with iron levels, um, helps your uterus go back to normal size faster, helps your body go back to like pre baby size faster. Um, so like I said, insurance didn't cover it. They should. Um, but I mean, for everything it's done, it was totally worth it. Absolutely. You also mentioned being tired uh, from like feeding him. This is something that I want people to understand. That is something we didn't understand. I'm like, that's important to know. Um, When women breastfeed, you burn like, what is it? 500 calories or something? 500 calories. Burn like 500 calories just from breastfeeding. And to put that perspective for people, that's like an intense cardio workout. 
500 calories. Like that's a lot for just sitting, nursing, and consider the fact that this kid's supposed to do that every couple hours. So mm-hmm. like women who are nursing, dear Lord, the amount of effort and work you're putting in to like get up every couple hours to make sure this kid is fed and then you're just draining your energy. Like, yeah, man, like toss that on top of the pile of things that y'all have to go through in the name of bringing life here, you know? So it's it's a wild thing that should be talked about more. I feel like we got a lot of it in there today. We're gonna have to cut this off because I feel like there is a fussy, hungry baby downstairs that we are going to feed. Um, but thank you so much, Hillary, for coming on and being so open, honest, and candid about your experience and getting in with all the nitty gritty details because people need to know the type of stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like it's very important to hear your side of things because that's a thing that absolutely happens out there. So, yeah, well, and I want to thank you both for sharing your story, but also like Hillary, I've been with you around your boys and your relationship with your boys is amazing. You as a parent is amazing. Um, so to go through everything that you have, um, you know, I just want to acknowledge uh, that you're doing a great job. I know we're almost done. Um, and Susan, thank you again for sharing your story. And same thing. You tell me, like, I haven't got to meet your kids, but I only hear great things about them and how smart they are and how much you're putting in the work. You were here and you went back just to be with your kids, you know, so you do whatever you can to be with your kids and be there for them. So I thank you for sharing your story as well. Thank you. And th- I can't wait to see where you go from here. And I can't wait to be Robin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to probably see him tomorrow. So, yeah. yes. Thank you very much, ladies. We appreciate <laughs> you for being so honest about this and helping educate people on postpartum depression. So thank you so much for watching and listening. You can follow me at Miles Wilberjoker on all social media. Follow the podcast at Mad Podcast. Uh, Hillary's at Broken Drift Productions and also at AZ Banana Bros. Make sure you follow them for all the cool content and at Susan Thompson Haha where you can follow Susan and I think right now she's on tour with Jeremy Hot. So make sure you go check out a show if she's performing near you. Uh, that being said, Miles Weber, thank you so much for listening to the Mad Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.